I'm literally walking out my door and heading over to my neighbor, my next door neighbor with a, with a, with a gift, but also a question. Let's see what happens. Hi. Right. I'm recording this while I'm doing it. First of all, not vegan. So you get another present. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's the question while I'm recording. Okay. My, my third anniversary is coming of the show. Will you be my guest? Can I come over and we'll record for my third anniversary? Yes. How's that sound? Well, hello, my name is Steve, and you're entering a World Gone Good anniversary show. The three-year anniversary has already begun because I already said it. So there it's happened. This is the show where for the last, about to begin four seasons, but for the last three years, we have shined the light into the darkness or found the light in the darkness to prove time and time again, week after week, almost every Wednesday, that there is good out there and plenty of it. This, my friends, is a very special show. So we are going to get right to it. Are you ready to get your good on? Here we go. So this good journey started about, let's see, August of 2020. I think I've told this story too many times. Fast forward if you need to. But I was out on a run and I was looking for something good, good to listen to because the world wasn't so good back then, people. And uh, I couldn't find it. Couldn't find a podcast that worked for me. Couldn't find a song that worked for me. And I stopped running. And I literally said out loud, God, can someone just make something good that I can listen to? And I had that moment, that pop, that spark, that realization that I would be the one to do it. And why not? I know how to edit. I'm relatively funny. I like to talk to people. What more do you need? You need a microphone. I got one of those. And you need some good friends to go out to and see if they'll do some test shows with you, which we did. And here we are, three years later, still going with the show. Now, one of the things I get asked all the time is, what's your favorite show? What's your favorite show? Do you have a favorite show? I don't have a favorite show. I've said it before. It's like picking a favorite dog of mine. I didn't say children. Y'all know how I feel about children. Your, your kid is great. I know. I got it. You got the best kid. I know. He's an old soul. She's an old soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Okay. But it's like asking me to pick one of my favorite dogs. I simply cannot. But I can tell you that there are moments. There are some moments that stick with me. And so to begin this third year anniversary, we're getting right to it. Here are some of my favorite moments from the past three seasons. I just want to say to start things that I don't know if you feel this way about me, Faith, but this is how I feel about you. I feel like in an alternate dimension, we are married and we are like Jennifer and Jonathan Hart on Heart to Heart <laughs> and we solve crimes not not because we're detectives, but because I'm a playboy millionaire and you're a sexy model and 
people just keep getting murdered around us. And we're just like, I don't know. We'll we're, solve it. And we're just so good together. We're, we're so good. So good together. And we constantly call each other darling. <laughs> just like the hearts. That's how I see life. We, we have the same vision of a multiverse that is <laughs> happening somewhere. Kezia Hosking, you are my first international world gone good victim. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm blessed. I'm 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 really really happy to be with you. To be the first one. I'm inspired by really creative people, and you know I appreciate very good design and art and music. I can't do any of those. But I, I look at the creativity that people produce, whether it's photography or art or even this kid that came in. He's a friend of ours, and he's 3D printing stuff in carbon fiber. I'm like, holy moly, how – and he, it's all about creativity and the ability to execute on that creative vision. And Martha has creative vision, so in a way she does inspire me that way, but – I just love creativity. That's how you get out of problems and that's how you make change in the world. Something good. Sometimes I like to eat Nutella, but the vegan one standing up with a spoon. <laughs> okay. That is probably the best answer of the last 22 interviews I've done. Tell you something good. Okay. So if you're feeling depressed, anxious, if you're not happy, the, the number one thing I would say to do is step outside of your bubble um, and just go and serve someone. I just want people to understand that we are all the same. We are something that is called human, and we need to treat each other as human, no matter what circumstances we're going through. Listening is good. Listen. Listen more often to... Th- Things than to beings. It will take you to yourself. You have a guide that will guide you. Listen. Listening is good. Quick story. Um, Peanut and I surprised a little boy the other day uh, who's been getting bullied at school. And uh, his mom wanted to surprise him with a a video of Peanut. Um, And she called me crying right before um, we started the the video chat and he had put on his squirrel costume. Uh, it was just ironic that he, he put it on. Um, I have the same one. So I, I put mine on at the same time and uh, we got on the video chat and he started to cry and I started to cry. And it was like one of the happiest moments to see that little kid so happy. So um, it's, it's good to bring some joy with, with uh, a little tree rat. <laughs> Goodness is everywhere. And goodness is in a child's eyes. Goodness is in a stranger's smile. Goodness is in a butterfly gracing you with its blessings. Goodness is in a tree that you can hug and recenter yourself anytime you need. Goodness is in closing your eyes, smelling the fresh breeze, and knowing that we can always at any moment reinvent ourselves or choose a new direction in our lives. We can reconnect to who we are and why we've come, and we can live lives full of purpose and destiny. And no matter where we've come from, no matter what we've done, no matter what people say about us, we can start anew and afresh and reinvent everything in any moment that we choose. 
And I believe, Steve, that your your show is helping people do that. And it's a deep honor to be a part of your podcast. Thank you for having me. At the top of the show, you heard me going over to my 91-year-old next-door neighbor's place, my neighbor Mary. What you don't know is she has a story. It's a good story. I've been waiting for her to share it with all of us. And it is a story 76 years in the making. I have not been waiting 76 years for her to tell me. I just mean I've been waiting a few years, but this story is 76 years in the making. You get me. You get me. But listen, to tell it, we have to hear her side, but also her daughter's side. So what I did was I recorded with each of them separately, and then I edited them together, and that's what you're about to hear. So here comes for my very special anniversary today, my neighbor Mary and her daughter telling their combined story. This is Mary and Kathy Gone Good. Well, my story early on was that <laughs> I met my my first love, who happened to be my brother's buddy, who came over and hung out at the house, and and we became best, our first love, that first love that was going to last forever, and lo and behold, I became pregnant at the tender age of fifteen, and. And my father was would not allow us to get married, and he was going to kill us both there for a while. The final decision was mine, but my parents said, don't come back home. You can't come back home if you bring a baby. There's no way. So there was no way that I could support a child. It was a very dramatic change, a major change in my life. And it was just left an open, an open wound in so many ways. Growing up as an adopted kid, there was one thing that I really, really wanted in my life. I wanted to look like somebody else. I, I didn't look like anyone in my family. And when the family got together with the aunts and uncles and cousins, I didn't look like anybody in that group. And I, even when I was in the grocery store, I would look at people in the line and think, is there anybody here that looks like me? And I didn't look like anybody. I just really wanted to be able to look like someone. And I'm looking back, I'm very grateful for my adoptive parents. They provided me with a stable and secure uh, family life, and especially an excellent education. And all of those skills and interests have helped me become uh, such a successful adult. And the good story, the good part of the story was what I wanted was education and security. And I know that she had that. She had a good adopted parents that gave her a, a great education and security. 
when I asked my adoptive mom uh, about my background, uh, I said, I, I wish I knew why I'm the way I am, because I was different than the other than my mom and my dad and my brother in my adoptive family. And um, she said, well, the way the law works is that when we adopted you, all of the papers that we signed were sealed and all of the papers that your birth mother signed were sealed. And there's really no way you will ever get hold of those. Uh, and they're sealed for our protection, for our privacy. And so I just kind of accepted that and let it drop. I went on with my life until my own family was raised and then I had time and I chose to search for her. And lo and behold, I joined a um, search organization. And they, they, uh, I had tried different avenues with no luck. And then they said, well, what about around her birthday that you put an ad in the paper in the city where she was born? I called the Los Angeles Times to run it for the weekend, which was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And when Friday came, there was no ad in the paper, and I was disturbed. So I called them, and they said, well, we're sorry, but we'll run it on Monday. And so it was. It was just three little lines saying, birth parent looking for female adoptee and born such and such a date. It was my birthday, and it was 1984. And my very close friend, who was my college friend and also my neighbor, came over and brought me an ad that she had seen in the personal column of the LA Times. And she said, do you think that this could be you? On Monday, not my daughter, but her best friend and neighbor saw the ad and uh, and I'm getting choked up just thinking of it. The ad said, birth mother looking for female adoptee born 5'5 five, five in Los Angeles. And uh, I read it and I looked at my girlfriend and I said, what are the chances that it could possibly be me? And she said, well, I think you should answer this ad. And it had a P.O. box number in Santa Barbara. I was not living in my original city, so I had to wait till the mail was delivered from my P.O. box to my home where I was. And I received that mail in the morning, a letter from, my, from Kathy that said, Are you my mother? If you are, call me. And she left two phone numbers. One was her home phone and the other was her work number. Well, and she included what was called non-identifying information. And I knew by that that, yes, this was a real, real connection because she had found she had found information, non-identifying information about me from the adopted agency. So I said, well, I couldn't call her during the day because it would just, at work, it would be just too upsetting for her. 
And so I waited till after five o'clock and I call her house and I get her caregiver that's saying that, that she's working late and she won't be home till after nine o'clock. And that was the longest day in my life to wait till nine o'clock to call her. I got a phone call late in the evening and I answered it and the voice on the other end said, introduced herself and said, I have reason to believe that you are my, that I am your birth mother. Well, I was totally shocked. And I also kind of wondered whether it might be a crank call. So my response was not particularly friendly. I said, well, what makes you think so? Then she switched and says, what makes you think you're my mother? Yes, and and then I told her what I knew about her family. Immediately, she was able to tell me very personal information about my adoptive parents and my current family. So I said, okay, I think that there's a good chance here. And we chatted for a few minutes and we decided that we really wanted to meet and we wanted to meet as soon as possible. And so we both were so excited. She said, well, come down, come down right now. And I, no, 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 I've got to get some rest. I've got to get rest. And so we set it up at the time the next day that we would meet in a park near where she lived. Well, neither one of us got any sleep that night anyway, but we did meet. We met the next day. She drove down to where I lived, and we met uh, by the lake, by my home, and it was just amazing. It was just, the resemblance was amazing. <laughs> she looked like me, and that was what I most, most wanted. Um, and it was very, very overwhelming uh, when we met, I think both for her and for me. It was a day that changed my life. <laughs> Beyond words, uh, just, uh, I don't know words to say. It was like, is it really, is this really life? Is this really happening? And also it was, there was also the difference of, of when I gave her up, she was this big, and now she's this big. And, and then there were the, the learning to, to find out who we were each individual as, as an, an adult and find out where we have, what we have in common. I wanted to find out as much as I could about her and her family and what she had done with her life. And of course, she wanted to find out the same thing from me. After we met, I kind of went into a uh, out-of-body experience. It was hard for me to take this all in and comprehend. It felt like I was now two different people, the person that had been raised by the adoptive family and the person who had been uh, placed for adoption and now had found her birth family as well. And uh, it made me think, where do I fit into this? How do I merge these two realities together?
It, to me, was a, an open wound that needed to be healed, and there was just nothing ever really healed it. There was a hole that couldn't be filled, and it was that desire for information about where did I come from, how did I come to be, and, uh, and who am I? Uh, do, am I similar to anybody else? And I have over the years, because it's now been 40 years since that day that we met, um, over the years, I have said to other adoptees that I know, I said, have courage and search. Uh, you may not like everything that you find, but it will fill that void and you will know who you are and where you came from. Um, I think it's an absolutely fantastic blessing. I also was lucky enough to eventually meet the family of my birth father. And that made it even more complete to be able to see both sides of my birth parents. Now, today, as of today, I have Kathy and her family in my day-to-day -day life. It took many years to really feel comfortable and just be family. So that, to me, is very good. That's my goodness. <laughs> The one thing that always strikes me about this story that you just heard, and I don't know if it was made clear enough to you, it's this. Mary originally took out an ad in the LA Times for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but there was a screw up, right? And so she called them and they said, well, we're going to you know, fix it. We'll make it Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Monday is the day that Kathy the daughter she was looking for, her best friend, her neighbor, saw the ad. If that didn't happen, if they didn't screw that up, if that Friday had happened, the Monday never would have. And that is one of my favorite things about this story, other than that they got reunited, of course. But what's so magical about it is that even in times when something bad happens, there's a mistake and you get frustrated and you call up and you go, God, you messed this up. It wasn't a mess up. It was meant to happen, and it was it was meant to happen that Saturday, Sunday, Monday, because look what happened on that Monday. Something really, really good. Well, now, as we've done in the past, we've done a, I think, one preview show, and I invited on my friend Lisa, and she also did another show with me. I'm trying to think of which one it was. She'll tell me. She'll remind me. Oh, I remember which one it is, but I'll let her tell it. Um, fuck up nights. I remember it. Um, <laughs> Lisa, you're back. Here you are. Wait, I also want credit for the Thanksgiving. I, I gave a Thanksgiving story. Yes, you did. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get up there with, uh, Faye Saley and, uh, Mary Weiss. <laughs> Good one. Good callback. <laughs> you were in Tampa, Florida, and I call you the queen of Tampa. Yeah. That's not a thing. Well, it could be. I mean, I, I know. I do love Tampa, but please don't judge me for being in Florida. It wasn't like this when I got here. We were we were purple. We were about to turn anyway. Hey, everybody. We LU Florida listeners out there, 
we we focus on the good. Have we found parts to edit already? <laughs> I told Lisa before we started, don't worry, I'll edit. I'll edit. <laughs> now here we are. It's our third anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. You run the website. Tell us all, what's your favorite part of running the website? Is it when I yell and scream at you and go, take that down? You don't tell me take that down. You tell me I'm fired. How many times have I been fired? Um, yeah, it's really fun. You know what? I like it because it's something like we get to do together. Like it's it's a fun little thing. And, um, you know, the, the whole website thing basically is just a hobby for me. But, you know, you're we're like the same way where we're like, well, we don't know how to do it, but we'll figure it out and it'll be damn good. And uh, so, you know, it's like I'm constantly learning and it's really fun for me. And, um, you know, I just feel like I'm adding stuff to the show. Well, this is basically a hobby for me. Let's all not kid ourselves. <laughs> yes, but you're, you're getting damn good. Do you have a favorite episode or episodes that stick out? In your mind? I have a lot of episodes that I absolutely love. Um, you know, I love, I wasn't prepared for this question, but I already know. Um, I love Murph's Life Skunk, Murph's Life Gunga. That one's terrific. Um, Peanut. Peanut the Squirrel. Peanut the Squirrel <laughs> is hilarious. And you know what one that I, I always love so much is Joy Gone Good. Because there are times where sometimes like I'm just having maybe not a great day or need a pick pick me up. And then I think of, and if you haven't listened to that recording to that episode, you need to. I listen to where she goes, you know, all these people are screaming in the phone, just strangers. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You're the best. You're the greatest. Yes, we have your joy. We found it. Right here. Right here. That makes me so happy. Like, I love it. So I pretend they're doing that to me. <laughs> That's amazing because that was a last minute episode where I was just going to play the original. And then I reached out to Amy and said, hey, do you remember that thing we recorded? Like, I mean, I think it was like a year or two prior. No, it was a year. It was a year prior, maybe. I can't remember. It was a while prior. But I, I said, do, would you want to come on and, and, you know, do like a catch up? And she's like, I'd love to. And it was really, really, really fun. That was also a tricky episode to do because, again, sometimes in the system we use here, um, people cut in and out. And I remember because I can tell you, oh, my God, I can tell you all of the the technical difficulties I've had in the last two weeks. But the technical difficulties I had in the last three years, my God. But she was one of them because she was out, I think, in her guest house and it was cutting in and out. And I kept going, no, no, go back a sentence and say that again. You got to say that again. <laughs> oh, wait. Farmer's Market. I love that. Did Didgeridoo? Didgeridoo? How do you say that? <laughs> oh, the Didgeridoo lady. Where else in the world but a farmer's market can you hear and watch a performer on a Didgeridoo? It was just fun. It was just like different and fun. Everybody go. I, I was like, I need to go to the farmer's market now. I love it. Our season four kicks off with a brand new episode next week. And we've got some great new guests coming your way. 
we thought we'd do a little preview here and share some of them with you in advance. Remember Victoria Gaither? She's my old pal, my friend. Uh, you can find her if you scroll back in your episode guide. Scroll back, scroll back. You'll find Victoria Gone Good. Well, Vic reached out to me and said, you have to record with my friend, Julie McGuire. Before I tell you any more, here's a quick sneak peek, and then we can chat it up. I said, let's see how far I can get. And I think those are the magic words. Whenever you're about to undertake um, some sort of like project, if you're like, all right, I have to be successful, you might be too intimidated to start. But if you say, let me see how far I can get, that alleviates a lot of the the pressure. So it started off with that. And um, now I'm, there's 33 high peaks and now I've skied 28 and finished the project um, this winter. And I will be the first female and third person to have skied all the high peaks in the Catskills. I, I really wish that more people took, found a pastime that they enjoyed and took them more seriously. Because I think that especially, you know, in adulthood, people get married, they have kids, and those pastimes are like, kind of like fall by the wayside. And, and I, I really encourage people to reconsider that because you'll always have a path out of darkness if you do that. So that was just a little taste of Julie and the full episode is coming. Lisa, I'm going to start here. Do you ski? I do not ski. I've never skied and I'm scared of it. But let me tell you something. As part of a just get up and try it. Do you know my dad never skied until he was 60 years old? That's when he that's when he started it. He went to a garage sale and there were probably some cheap skis and he's like, I'm going to learn. So then he was on the top of Draco Drive in Randolph, New Jersey. <laughs> My mom would be on the phone. We're like at the top of the hill. And then two doors down are the Del Garcias, our neighbors. And my mom would be on the phone with Mrs. Del Garcia. And then my mom would be like, here he comes. And then my dad would go down, <laughs> down Draco Drive. And then, of course, fall. And, and Mrs. Del Garcia would be like, okay, he's out. He's down. And then my dad would walk up. And that's how he taught himself to ski at age 60. How cool is that? So I still have time. I still have time to learn. We all have time to learn. I know how to ski. Skiing is, to me, exactly like I skied as a kid, but when I learned to rollerblade, it's basically the same concept. So if you know how to do that, you can ski. But Julie's story is so amazing because she is on her way to becoming the first woman ever to ski every single trail in the Catskills. I'm talking cross country. I'm talking downhill. I'm talking trails that aren't even technically trails. There are 33 official ones and she is on her way to getting to number 33, 28 she's done. She's going to get the other five done by the end of the year and she'll become the first woman to ever do it in a year. Only two other men have done it. So she's going to be the third person ever and the first woman ever to do it. She's so inspiring. I know we've had a lot of inspiring guests, but she's really up there and I can't wait for you to hear it. But first, coming up, which is going to be coming up next week on the 11th, my friend Rebecca O'Brien, who I have known since my theater, Geo Theater Neo days. That's going back into the 90s, everyone. Oh, my God, the 90s. Uh, but, <laughs> but that's how long I've known. I've known Rebecca for a really long time. Rebecca has a fascinating story because Rebecca decided to take the bus when she had cancer, do her treatments, 
at Cedar Sinai. She decided to do that because, you know, LA traffic is crazy. She never knew, you know, which way, how things were going. And also just health wise, it was easier for her to go sit on the bus and get off the bus. But over time of all these treatments, she started meeting people on the bus and she started seeing characters and she's a writer and she's a performer. So she started writing stories. And then a few more things happened along the way. Take a listen to a little clip from our upcoming show with Rebecca. I am cancer-free. I am in full remission. So yay on that. I still do go to the hospital. I still, I, in fact, one of my doctors from Cedars came to my wonderful show called Getting There. And I think that's what you're referring to. Getting There was at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. And it won Best Solo Show, and it was nominated for uh, other things. And it it did, of course, get the Encore Award. We ended up doing 11 productions. And Getting There is all about going to and from the hospital, Cedar sinai Medical Center, on the city bus with my little service dog, Stella. And how... Some of the folks on that bus, not all of them, but some of them ended up like only family ever could. Rebecca went on to not just put her show up in the Hollywood Fringe Festival. She's one of five people who won the damn festival. There were over 300 performer performances of shows, I should say. Um, full-on casts and one-person shows. There were over 150 one-person shows, and she won the whole thing. I know her very well, so I'm not surprised that she won. But she is such a theater person. Lisa, you're a theater person, too. Tell everybody your my favorite thing about your theater. <laughs> you Which- get like a promo night. You get to get to a party, and they you everything like you get like a promo night i know exactly what you're talking about you are talking about our the Straz center it's the performing arts um the tampa bay performing arts center is what it used to be called and we have a uh broadway kickoff night oh my gosh it is so much fun and they invite us and then they give everybody drink coupons and uh you know just little swag bags and stuff and it's just a preview and so we get to go and then they'll invite a lot of times there, there's a lady on the serious Broadway channel. Her name is Christine something. She's been a host many times. And it's been really cool. And then they give us like a little blip or so, sometimes it'll be a little video. And sometimes we have the star of the musical who will come by and they'll perform an, uh, a song for us, like right there live. So you literally have like Broadway people, like they bring a Broadway person or a person from the tour to Tampa to a party, to promote the show that's coming. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, Rebecca's done a ton of shows, and we did a bunch of shows at Theater Neo, and she talks about that on the show uh, with me. But it's a really interesting conversation because, you know, a lot of people would take their cancer experience and make the whole show about themselves. She made this show about all the people on the bus that she met along the way. So she plays all these different characters and it's really, really just a brilliantly smart, incredible idea. And she has a show coming up on October 23rd. And so we get to uh, talk about that one in LA, which everybody who's listening in LA should go and check her out. 
but it's really incredible. I love one person shows. That's where, I mean, I've talked about this so many times on here. That's where 15 minutes of femme started. So that all said, I love featuring performers like Rebecca, and I can't wait for you to hear this show. Before we close out everything that's happening here, I want to say a huge thank you, Lisa, because I don't even remember when it was, but I think I was like, hey, Lisa, you like to make websites. Do you want to make one for World Gone Good? And you were like, sure, I'd love to. And then like, you know me, like you showed me everything. And I'm like, I love it. Because anytime anything's free, everyone, I'm like, I love it. Well, that's not a confidence booster, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you don't want to be a jerk about it. I think I loved it from the get-go. I don't think there was anything. No, you did. You were were like, oh, yeah, no, that's the vibe I'm going for. And and every time, every time I do something – and you're like, yeah, that works. Makes me happy because, but I get your show, you know, I get, I get what this is about. And I, I love this show. Thank you for joining me for my three-year anniversary show. Thank you for joining me for all the shows. You can go to worldgonegoodpodcast.com, catch up anytime on all the episodes that are good to be had from all the seasons. And you can come back here next week, next Wednesday. We have a brand new guest. You heard a little bit of her earlier. Her name's Rebecca O'Brien, and she will be my next good guest. Well, my first good guest, rather, of season four. Until then, as always, be good. Be good.